Hey everyone, I'm Jen Garrett and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. On this podcast, we are going to talk about how to succeed in business and in life by putting winning strategies into practice to help you advance faster. So if you're looking to move forward and reach that next level of greatness, then you are in the right place. Now get ready. Let's suit up, show up and move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's so great to be back with you on another episode of Move the Ball. If you haven't already done so, please subscribe to the podcast, and I would absolutely love it if you would leave us a review. Now, I'm so excited because inside the huddle today is Corey Warfield. Now, Corey is the founder and chief visionary officer of Schedule. He's also a social media influencer and a startup mentor. Corey's passions include helping others, artificial intelligence, and exploration. A student of Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich and the Law of Attraction, and an enthusiast of the theories of simulated reality, holographic reality, and crustal display show. Corey is as much a learner as he is a teacher, and he has become a mainstay of the Chicago startup ecosystem. Corey, welcome to our show. Thanks, Jen. And everybody, I'm here to help move the ball. I'm such a big fan of this series and your book and your methodology, Jen. So I'm really just pleased to be here. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Corey, there's so many things for us to discuss. And I want to kick this off with talking about your company, Schedule. So first of all, how did the idea for Schedule come about? Tell us how you came up with the name too. Absolutely. So if anybody doesn't get it, just say, check your schedule out loud. You'll understand that schedule is a kind of a fun play on the word schedule. Uh, It's also the way that about a third of the English speaking world pronounces it anyhow. Uh, But we thought it was a fun way to position ourselves a little differently in the marketplace. And uh, my background is 20 years working in restaurants. I've worked every station from dishwasher to corporate executive, sort of as an F&B director, uh, regional manager. I, I spent the latter half of my career waiting tables and and bartending just because it's where I could have the most fun and make the most money. Uh, But every single day of my 20-year career in the restaurant industry really kind of revolved around scheduling. And and scheduling was so problematic that it affected our morale and turnover. It affected our bonuses. It affected our income. And one of the big kind of cruxes of that is something called the on-call shift. And anyone that's worked in the restaurant industry knows about the on-call shift. Every week you're told how many days you might work the next week. And, and then they'll tell you last minute if you're working or not. And if not, you can't really plan your life and you don't know how much money you're going to make. And it's actually so problematic that it's just within the last 12 months starting to get litigated against around the country. And so you're seeing a lot of laws popping up around predictive scheduling, fair work week, and things of that nature that all correspond heavily to the schedule. And a few years ago, while I was working at a, a prime steakhouse here in Chicago that I helped open, I realized that, that there wasn't a, a company out there that was you know, using data to help forecast the, the staffing needs in the restaurant industry. And, and the data exists in spades. It, it, it can take things into consideration like, like the weather and any events going on and, and you know, actual and historical data to really help forecast and eliminate these on-call shifts and to really put some power into the hands of the management and the employees. Because right now in the restaurant industry, people often work shifts they don't want to or they have to leave earlier than they'd like, and that also affects their income. So I put together a team and a platform. I put my life savings and a couple of years into a company that's now known as Shedmole. We're, we're an incorporated company here in the United States with some presence around the globe. And although we still serve the, the restaurant and specifically the quick serve uh, fast food industry, 
Uh, we've started to see adoption in the security and law enforcement space and the retail space and the construction space. So a number of, of areas, and, and we're just starting to get into the medical space as well. It turns out that hospitals and, and medical facilities have really complex uh, issues of revolving around their scheduling. So it's been a lot of fun. We're, we're baking things in like temporary hiring and employee rewards and engagement. Uh, we're working, you know, in the worlds of artificial intelligence, data compliance, and a whole number of things. But it's been fun. It's been a wild ride for four years, and we're just starting to really gain some momentum. We just raised some funding, and you know, we're, you know, we're at that stage in a tech company where you're, you're kind of always raising money. So, so we're launching a bigger fundraise uh, here for 2020, and just kind of, you know, going along with the tech trends that we see, and, and trying to really help position ourselves as a market leader in the workforce management space. Well, that's great. So a question for you. So you worked in the restaurant industry for 20 years. You saw this need, but what was the real driving force that made you decide that it was time for you to go leave your job and really pursue the path of being an entrepreneur? You know, I just kind of made the decision in, in a blink of an eye. The steakhouse that I was at was bought by a large multi-billion dollar company. And the first thing uh, that they typically do because I'd been through a buyout with them before is they, they raise the prices on everything and, and shrink the portion size as much as they can get away with. And the second thing they do is start taking away, you know, things like the software solutions that are being used that cost money. And we were using one of the kind of you know, de facto standard scheduling companies at the steakhouse and we'd been using them for years uh, and then they're fairly pricey and they're, they're certainly outdated. Uh, but we all had come to need this. You know, we all logged into that platform several times a day. And, and it's really in the restaurant industry, it becomes pretty paramount to be using some type of scheduling software. And so we were all kind of, you know, accustomed to using it daily. And they took it away from us because it was so expensive. And we offered to pay for it, but that got rejected because they didn't want it on their balance sheet. And so, uh, you know, I started to look around and try to find an affordable alternative. I, I couldn't find one on the market. So I kind of tried to hack some things together, you know, Facebook pages and Google Sheets and things like that. Nothing, nothing came close to working. So when I realized that it it wasn't as easy as throwing a couple things together and there wasn't a good solution on the market, I just decided literally all within a time span of about an hour to launch a company, came up with the name, started working on prototypes, started to teach myself to code, started finding co-founders and looking for early stage investment. And I'd say within the first seven days, we were well on our way to becoming a a company. We were a a registered LLC. Uh, We had some wireframes working. Uh, You know, I'd I'd applied to several accelerators and I went down that road for a little bit as well. But yeah, uh, I think the the moment that I realized that this needed to exist and and didn't, uh, I just, I've never looked back and it's now been four years and a month. You know, I'm a recent entrepreneur myself and it takes a lot of courage to leave your job, your guaranteed income to pursue the path of an entrepreneur. And what I have found is you really have to get comfortable being uncomfortable and do things that you may not have done before. And it's more out of necessity now because you need to, to make your business work and to grow. And so what are some of the things that you had to do that were out of your comfort zone to make schedule really succeed? Oh, wow. I mean, after putting my life savings in and effectively exhausting that, I went a couple of years without an income. And so, you know, there were, there were days where didn't have means, you know, to, to fulfill uh, all the needs of my family. And, you know, my, my wife had been working very hard, you know, trying, trying to keep the roof over our head and the food on the table. But, uh, you know, we, we had our car repossessed at one point and she needs that for work. We had days where we didn't have food. 
Uh, you know, luckily, I don't think we ever had two days in a row where, where we weren't able to eat. But it also kind of forced me to get really scrappy and find ways to kind of supplement no income with some income and, and find ways to add value in, in a, a more lightweight capacity that, that can have, you know, not only long term upside, but immediate upside as well. And so I started doing a little bit of consult, business consulting, a little bit of, uh, you know, coaching and things like that. And, and those skill sets, first of all, of learning how to help people and, and how to help, you know, lots of people for free, but then find the people that, that can afford and will benefit from, from paying for your services as well. And you know, I was able to make a livable income working about five hours a week or so for the months leading up to our fundraise. And you know, now I'm happy to say I'm on a salary with Shedwell and you know, we're, we're making money as a company, which is helpful as well. But yeah, it's, you know, not eating. My, my marriage was uh, significantly impacted, shall we say, you know, losing the car. We lost one of our pets. I'm a, I'm a big animal guy and one of our pets, we couldn't afford the, the medical care. So there's been some real struggles. I don't know that anyone that sees true success doesn't have similar stories kind of on their their way up the mountain. But if I, if I can go back and do it all again, I would. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And yes, I mean, every entrepreneur I've talked with has shared how much of a roller coaster ride it is to be an entrepreneur. And so for our listeners who are either entrepreneurs or thinking about going down this journey, what advice can you share with them for, to help them keep motivated and to keep moving forward when they're going through these tough times? Yeah, well, I think it's, it's kind of a great tie into your analogies with football. I mean, it's the ground game, right? Sometimes you only get a yard or two and sometimes, you, you know, you, you run into a brick wall, but it really is important to try to make progress every single day and to have that game plan or that roadmap. And you know, so many people are waiting for things to be perfect or, you know, just waiting until they have a certain amount of money and savings that can last a certain amount of time or just waiting until they find that perfect business partner or, you know, I think the worst thing that I see and I see it often is people just waiting to, to find someone to invest in them. And you know, nobody wants to invest money in a company until you've not only put your own money, time, blood, sweat, tears on the line, but I think there's never a perfect time to start. And so my, my recommendation to anybody is to start right away, instantly. Don't wait until tomorrow. Don't wait until next quarter. Don't wait until you've got a couple more paychecks. It's it's going to be scary no matter what. And, and you can't prepare for things anyway. So I see people trying to over-prepare and I think it's really just a stall tactic. But so really just getting started, you're, you're going to fail inevitably. So why not start failing before you have you know, everything lined up. It's having everything lined up is just going to screw you up even worse in the, in the big picture because you waited to do that and then things won't go according to plan anyway. And then your, your perfect plan comes crumbling down. So I think I've adopted a, a phrase that you hear often coming out of Silicon Valley. I just say fail fast and fail forward. People need to really not be afraid to fail. You know, the failures add up to the huge successes and the revenues that we have at Shedwell, but more importantly, I mean, the, the valuation of the company and, and, and even more importantly, the, the numbers, you know, on the bottom line that we're saving the customers that are using our software, it really just feels amazing. And, and to think that this wouldn't have happened. One phrase that I always use a lot is own your game. And that's really taking ownership over whatever game it is you're playing. And when you're in the entrepreneurial space, you've got to be 100% all in committed to the journey and ready to face those ups and downs. And when you look at the successful entrepreneurs of the world, I mean, they've all been through the same type of a story. Nothing went perfect. They failed off and they failed forward. And they just you know, picked that ball back up when they fumbled and they kept moving down the field. And I think part of that comes to the confidence 
that you have in yourself to mean that you know that you're going to make this a success and you're going to just weather any storm that comes your way and have the courage to keep going through it and figure out how you need to adjust your game plan to get through any challenge or any situation that you, uh, that you have going down that field. So thank you for that. So Talking about the work week, because I think some people like the idea of being an entrepreneur because they think, oh, well, I can make all this money and I can be flexible in my schedule. And there's, there's truth in that, that you can be very wealthy. You can have flexibility, but being an entrepreneur means you work a ton too. It's not a nine to five job if you want to be successful. And so talk to us about, you know, how many hours do you work a week, share with us your morning routine and, and how do you start your day off? Well, you know, I'll say the first thing that comes to mind is a quote that will probably never cease to make me laugh. And that's, you know, that we entrepreneurs are the only ones crazy enough to work 80 hours a week so that we don't have to work 40. But I think for me, for the first few years of Shedwell, I, I didn't put less than 100 hours a weekend ever. Um, you know, there wasn't, I didn't take a day off for several years. I didn't work less than 12 hours, you know, or more every single day. You know, there were definitely days that I probably worked more like 20 hours you know, there's so much that needed to be done. And if I didn't do it, it wasn't going to get done. And, you know, I didn't have resources to go hire a team or anything like that. So I think that's one of the things when people hear that a lot of people say, Oh, no way. Say, like, well, cool. You know, then do you, but if there's no way that you're going to work a hundred hours a week, then there's probably no way, you know, that you're going to grow a multi-million dollar business you know, from, from what I've seen. It's everybody that I've seen that's, that's had the exits or, or has the net worth that, you know, other people dream of we've all put those 80 hour, hundred hour work weeks in. And it wasn't until I started being able to hire out key roles and, and, and put together an executive team and a board that I was able to start taking a little step back and take a few days off here and there, took a little vacation. I'm probably, I've got to still be putting 50, 60 hours a weekend just because there's still so much to do, right? It's these international corporations that we're signing up into pilots and that we're, we're signing on board as customers, they don't take any time off, right? These companies are 24, 7, 365. And so we've got to be right there with them. And I think, you know, that's another thing that, that goes along with it. I mean, we look at the, the athletes, the pro football players, the ones that we hear about that make it into the NFL are the ones that, you know, not only didn't miss practices, but they were leaving practice to go practice on their own, right? And they were putting together their own little sandlot, you know, squads so they can keep practicing and show up a little bit ahead of everybody else. And so that's been me as well. My, my morning routine for, you know, for, for the first year or two was, you know, wake up at 4.30 or 5 every day. I was doing the Wim Hof method for a while. So I do a little workout, hyperventilate, take a nice cold shower. I spent about four or five months in uh, a mountain town in Colorado. So I'd literally run up the side of the mountain every day to my office. And then about 6.30, 7 o'clock, just really start to get into things, you know, put together whatever it is, the, the roadmap or the, the marketing plan, or, you know, go through and, and fine tune your cap table or all these foundational pieces that, you know, turn out to be so important in the big picture. Uh, so that was about it anymore. You know, I'm back in Chicago. I'll, I'll wake up, you know, six o'clock and, you know, spend a little time with my dogs. And then I, I try to be, you know, fully committed at my desk by seven or seven thirty, uh, depending on the flow of the day. Gotcha. What has been your most satisfying moment for you with Schedule? You've been doing it for four years. Share with us a, a success. Well, I think our recent fundraise was amazing. It's, it's difficult to raise capital. And, you know, I kind of stopped raising money and, you know, started focusing on revenue and, and on growth. And, you know, some people that, that understand what we're doing and understand the space approached me and said, hey, we love what you're doing. Would, would you let us put some money in? 
I think, you know, more so than the, the additional runway and the additional cash on hand, um, it's just so validating, right? When people are literally willing to whip out their checkbooks and write you six-figure checks out of their own, their own bank account because they, they believe in you, right? And because they, they like what you're doing, that's been really great. And then we've been getting some, some pretty awesome press lately that I've been taking through like, you know, built-in and, and some other national uh, syndications that are just, you know, further validating. I'll, I'll never tired of those kind of focus pieces. That's awesome. So I do want to switch gears and, and talk about LinkedIn. I mean, you've done great things with your company. I'm so proud to see all of your successes and watch you on your journey. And I want to come back to how we met because we connected through LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is an amazing platform to connect with awesome professionals, great business leaders, and to really surround yourself with great people that can help you get to the next level in your life. And you are one of those people for me, Corey, and you are approaching the 100,000 follower mark on LinkedIn, which is just super cool. And please share with our listeners some tips on how to really be successful and grow their presence on that type of platform. Yeah, I try to get on for maybe, you know, 30 minutes or an hour a day if I can just to, to show some people some love. But without any real you know, time or energy put into the platform right now, I, I've been growing pretty quickly. I, I hit like 60,000 followers three months ago, and then I hit 80,000 followers uh, you know, maybe a month and a half or less ago. Um, and, and today I think I'll break 95,000 followers. So I'm getting real close to that six-figure mark, which is exciting. But I spent hours a day and, and a lot of strategy for about a year on LinkedIn, just really finding the people that, that can make a difference in my, in my life and my persona, but also for my company and just really figuring out what made them tick, what, what would actually add value. What I ended up landing on is connecting people in, in ways that are not obtrusive, tagging them in each other's content. That's super easy and lightweight and it's changed lives. I've helped people you know, get, get high six-figure jobs and, and ink multi-million dollar partnerships just from connecting them on LinkedIn. And if you tag somebody in somebody's comment, it takes 10 seconds and it can change a life. I'll do that all day, every day. I did work hard to position myself for, you know, the last year, you know, even up to maybe seven months ago, I built a really great fan base. I like to think that I, I created a pretty good name for myself. But I think finding the right people, showing them love, understanding what works, what doesn't, and then really just trying to put value out every day and people talk about it. Well, thank you. And I think for me, it's really posting value, consistency, and, and engaging with other people, right? And supporting one another. And it's not something that you can post once a month and say, hey, I'm going to you know, gain a lot of success. It's really being active and engaging with people, supporting others, and they will support you back. It's definitely about building relationships key quality relationships with people. I want to do something fun that I do with every guest. It's my two minute drill. And so I'm going to ask you seven quick questions just to make it fun. Are you ready? Awesome. I am super ready. All right, here we go. What's your favorite food? Ethiopian. Okay. Favorite movie? Entourage, even though I like <laughs> the show even better, but yeah, the movie was amazing. That was a good movie. <laughs> um, what's your favorite sports team? I hate to admit this on your podcast, but I'm not a huge sports guy. And, and I really, I, I like sports more than I like teams. So it's going to be hard to answer. But I guess, you know, of any sport, I suppose the Bears. When I was at the steakhouse, I used to wait on all the bulls and bears and cubbies and all those and got to know them as, as people. And they're all great people. And I'll go support anybody. But, you know, with baseball, I like the White Sox and the Cubs. And, 
you know, with football, I like the Bears, but I like every, almost everybody else as well. I can name a couple teams I don't cheer, cheer for, but I'd say the Bears. Okay, good choice. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you've gotten from a coach or a mentor? Uh, you know, to block time out for myself and to learn how to say no. I think those two things are huge because it's easy to get lost in doing everything everybody else wants you to do. And it, it really does come out uh, at the end where if you don't prioritize yourself and balance things, you're not going to accomplish as much. So I think those two things, time blocking and, uh, you know, just self-honor, really. I learned that from my executive coach, Renee Johnson, who is simply amazing. I love those two because those are two things that I I do block time and I use the power of no very intentionally. If you use that to anyone who's listening, do those two things that's going to help improve your productivity each day. Best piece of advice you would give somebody else? Just do it. Get out there and do it, right? Don't wait till tomorrow. Take action today. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I'd say that I'm a freestyle rapper, but I think a lot of people do know that about me. Uh, And also say that I have aspirations of deep ocean, ocean floor, and outer space travel. That surprises people sometimes. But I guess the one thing that as a business person, you're not always as vocal about, although I just love God so much. And, you know, I, I love anybody that loves God and I'm a little more liberal and I don't necessarily think that everybody needs to use the same name or read the same book. I think, you know, when, when your heart is looking for that love and wanting to bring that love that is God to the earth is huge. And, you know, that is the vibration that I, that I resonate at. And that is the priority in my life. And last question, if you could be any superhero, who would you be and why? So no one's going to like to hear this. And I apologize because I understand how it's going to come across. But I'm it. I am the superhero I would want. I wouldn't trade being me for anybody. I've got some superheroes that I've always been a fan of. But right now I consider myself to pretty much be a superhero and I'm loving it. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. (laughs) Good for you, Corey. All right. So as we wrap up today's show, tell our listeners what's the best way to follow you and get a hold of you if they want to connect. Yep. So if they want to message me, it's not on LinkedIn. I've, I've got thousands of unopened messages there and there are days I'll get a hundred and I just can't keep up. But anyone that follows me on LinkedIn, I will follow you back. And so that's kind of like being connected. I wish I could connect with everyone, but they have an arbitrary limit on the platform, but follow me on LinkedIn. I'm Corey Warfield Shedwell. Uh, I go through and try to follow everybody back every single day. And uh, other than that, I often encourage people and I can't post about it on LinkedIn because they, they don't show it to anybody but, you know, for, for all the right reasons. But uh, connect with me on other platforms. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Snapchat. I mean, I'm all over the world of social media and, and I like to engage with people elsewhere. And I find you know, the smart people go connect with me on Facebook and anytime they wanted to message me, they won't message me on LinkedIn. They'll message me on Facebook because chances are I'll see it pretty quickly. Great. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so you'll be able to connect with Corey on any of those social channels. Thank you so much, Corey, for being a guest on today's show. It was really great talking with you. Well, I'm a fan, you're a friend, and I was honored to be asked to be on. So let's keep moving this ball together in 2020. And Jennifer, I am just loving everything you're doing. Thanks so much for having me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening again to today's episode. Once again, hit that like button, subscribe to the show and leave a review. And we will catch you on the next episode. Until then, keep moving the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, 
check out my website at www.jenniferagarrett.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.